Hey y'all, welcome to the first episode of Texans Takes with James Roy. I'm James Roy, and today, seeing as how it is Wednesday the 26th of the year of our Lord 2023 and the Texans draft tomorrow with the other 31 teams in the league, I figured we'd talk about the draft. Things ranging from what's going to happen at the number two pick to a look at the quarterback versus edge situation at that pick and even going over my ideal positions that I think the Texans should be targeting in the first four rounds of the draft. So without further ado, let's get into this edition of Texans Takes. The number two pick has been a divisive topic pretty much since week 18 when the Texans assured that they were not going to have the number one overall pick. Now the Texans, even through that, have been tied to Bryce Young, Bryce Young pretty deep into the draft discussion now, obviously, early on in the offseason, you know, mock drafts are worthless. I mean, for the most part, mock drafts are pretty worthless. It's just a, a guess at what the team's going to do, especially in the Texans' case, considering that that information's under lock and key and has been pretty much since day one. But to walk through the timeline, we find out we're getting the number two overall pick. And then up until Chicago trades it, it's pretty set in stone that Bryce Young's going to Houston. And then they trade the number one overall pick to the Carolina Panthers for a haul. The Panthers are rumored to be in on C.J. Stroud. Now, you you could make some conjecture that that was the story that was spun out because where the Panthers were picking, they probably were doing a little less research on Bryce Young and vetting other options, and they felt comfortable with C.J. Stroud um, as the season's gone on, or as the offseason's gone on. Uh, it's kind of shifted in favor of Bryce Young going number one overall. And the most recent development has been an increase in the draft odds of Will Levis going number one overall, which um, it was more sourced by a Reddit post is, is what has been said. Um, I mean, I don't personally think that betting odds are a surefire way to know who's going to be picked, although we can look to last year. And you'll see that within 48 hours of the draft, the betting line shifted towards Derek Stingley at the number three pick. And who did the Texans end up picking? Derek Stingley. So maybe there's some merit to it, but I'm not fully sold on on it just yet, at least. But looking at the number two overall pick, the Texans are more in control of this draft than you would think they are for where they're picking. Because we all know that the Panthers are in all likelihood taking a quarterback, and the Texans can't really decide who they're going to pick until after that though if Bryce Young's off the board it's it's rumored the Texans will go edge right and so I I think the whole discourse around two has been pretty divisive pretty a pretty toxic topic in the fan base and it's it's created some lines in the sand um and I mean really the deepest line is and I, I don't want to say it's the deepest line but one of the deeper storylines is the fact that there are some people in the fan base that think that Davis Mills still deserves the start, and so why would we take a quarterback? And so people who who are on that train of thought will see that there's rumors that we might not take a quarterback and run with that as you know, we're running it back with Davis Mills. There's still a lot more to the draft than just the number two overall pick. So I personally believe that if we don't go quarterback at two, we can expect to see one at 12 or 33 or somewhere in the mix that's going to contend for the starting job. I personally don't like taking Will Levis with the number two overall pick, but at 12, I think Will Levis has great value. So up next, let's talk about you know the value of quarterback versus edge and why one is more beneficial than the other. 
the value of quarterback in today's NFL can't be overstated. Um, in a passing game like it is today, it's really the most important position in football. And with that, sometimes while the prospect itself might not be valued that high or like a quarterback class might not be necessarily the best that it's been ever, um, most quarterbacks will gain hype and be put into the first round at the top if they're at the top of their class simply for the fact that that position holds a lot of value. Now, in this case, we do have four to five high-value prospects. I would say personally that outside of the top two or three you kind of get into that territory where we're pushing quarterbacks into the first round discussion because the position holds a lot of value it has a lot of need there's very few players that play as many snaps as the quarterback does and have as huge of an impact on the game and i've been very clear from the start of this season i i'm personally a huge fan of taking bryce young i soften on that stance a, a, a little bit when bryce young is not on the board in terms of taking a quarterback though when we when we look at the edge position, while it's some sometimes an edge is a player that doesn't even play every snap. We've got guys that are projected like Lucas Van Ness, projected to go in the top half of the first round, and even he's projected first round, and he never started a single game at Iowa. He is a reserve player who played a lot of snaps and did really well and has a good build for the position, but he's a guy who didn't even take the field with the starting unit a single time in his college career, which baffles me. So we're looking at it. edge is a position that gains a different, a lot of people will discount its vitality, but when we look at the Texans particularly, and we look at, you know, the Texans in 10 of the 17 games last year were within one score or lost against the teams that they played. And a lot of the reason for that was the run defense, defense in general, but the run defense was the worst in the league. And so whenever it felt like the team was, you know, ahead and might actually seal a victory, um, it seemed like the other team just said, oh, yeah, that's right. This is the Texans. We can just hand the ball to our running back and it's all good. So I don't think personally that we can look at the positional value of quarterback. And then if they do decide to go edge, go, oh, that's that significant of a drop off because the vitality of having players on the field that can stop the run based on what happened right and and you know some people don't want to admit it but we were we were in games for most of the season right and davis mills wasn't the sole reason that we lost um i i think a lot of people in the fan base understand that if if he had had more help around him that he probably would have been set up better for success and the texans probably would have won more and you know that doesn't change the fact that if you can upgrade at quarterback you should but one of the big reasons that I wouldn't be particularly frustrated if the Texans went edge at two is because the value of that position relative to what D'Amico Ryans needs to do to shore up what really kept the Texans out of winning games. What really was the difference between those 10 games where the Texans lost or were within one score of winning was really the run defense as much, if not more so than the offensive shortcomings. Now, having an offense that can put up points in those close situations is good. I, and I, I watched every game and I watched Davis Mills get put in situations where, you know, the offense had the ball and all they needed to do was go down and score and he failed. And so, you know, there, there is that piece of the puzzle. But like I said, the, one of the reasons I'm not going to be frustrated if they take an edge is simply put, that was a huge need on the team. And I'd say that the value of shoring up that position is comparable to getting a quarterback it's not it's not the same but i i wouldn't be mad about fixing that particular need now there's more to the draft than the uh first round first pick you know first 
two picks that we have are both first round picks. I I would say that where Nick has shown to be, you know, at least gained neutrality in his value as a GM is in his late round picks. Um, I personally am not a GM in the NFL and I don't feel um, knowledgeable enough and on the depth of this class to go much further than the fourth round of the draft. So I'm going to look at the first four rounds and um, I have a more specific mock draft I'm working on to post late Wednesday, early Thursday as my final draft on Twitter. So, you know, if you follow me at M1 Texans fan on Twitter, you can get in on that. Um, but for now, I just want to talk about the ideal positions in each round that I think the Texans should be targeting. So let's start with the first round. I, I have about three positions for each round. And in mind, I, I'll have a few players that I think fit what the Texans should do. Um, in the first round, I think that some combination of quarterback, edge, and wide receiver is acceptable to come away from this draft. I think it's a true win if the Texans can shore up those because those are truly the three biggest needs the Texans have. I would say you could argue that center is a need that comes up close to being in there. Um, when you generalize their needs and you say offensive line, we can look and say that you know Kenyon Green fringe gives them four players that are good in the and center is just one fifth of that piece of the puzzle. But I, I would say to say that center is not a huge need for this team is, you know, disregarding a, a very clear hole in the roster. So uh, those four positions are huge needs, but I think in the first round, it is more intelligent to address quarterback edge or wide receiver, because that's where you're going to get value. Um, particularly at wide receiver, while you could get a good quality player um, later in the draft, I think that um, when you get down to it, you know the top of this draft class, while it's very thin, does have players like Jackson Smith and Jigba um, that would be really great additions that would immediately make an instant impact on this Texans receiving core. Now at edge, I think you could go edge at you know any position in the first round. Um, and I talked about Lucas Van Ness earlier and how he wasn't necessarily a starter, but you know you've got a guy that that D'Amico can work with that can accomplish the purpose that needs to be addressed in this team's defense, which is stopping the run. Um, quarterback is obvious. I, I shouldn't really have to go into any detail as to why the Texans should probably address quarterback in the first round of this draft. Now, the second round, I put center as the first thing. I feel like where the Texans pick in the second round, that's kind of the earliest where you want to address it. I think they could do it later. Um, a name I'm keeping my eye on is Joe Tipman. Um, Joe Tipman and John Michael Smith are two guys that I think the Texans can get that are high value targets in the second round, maybe into the third round. Luke Whipler obviously is another one, but I, based on reading the scouting reports, I think honestly, I think the best value is Joe Tipman based on where they're ranking. Um, if John Michael Smith slips past him, he's also good value. Um, and then in the second round, if they don't address edge in the first two picks of the draft and it's pick 33 and the Texans are on the clock, I can guarantee you that they will pick an edge. They need to do that. That is, uh, you know, not addressing the D-line early in the draft within the first three rounds is, is criminal based off of how much that that part of the game let us down. You know, that and the front seven, though I feel like linebacker, you can kind of get away with, you know, addressing that may maybe if you want to. But that's the next position that I have up is linebacker. And so if any of these three positions were addressed at the, you know, 33rd pick in the draft, or maybe the Texans orchestrated a trade 
um, in the early rounds to get more second round picks. These are positions that I think they could address. Linebacker specifically, maybe like a you know a Drew Sanders or a Jack Campbell are guys that I think would really help give D'Amico the guy they need to you know really make this team thrive. Now in the third round, um, defensive line is a position like I said that needs severely to be addressed, and I think that you get really good value if you can nab Keanu Benton. Uh, at the 65th pick. Um, now, if he's not there, then you move into the territory territory of getting into wide receiver or tight end. I've been I've been um, pretty vocal about the fact that I think the Texans need to take two wide receivers in this draft, um, and I think they need a draft for build. So, if in the first round you pull Jackson Smith and Jigba, you've got your you know more slot oriented speed route guy, um, and you want to go for size with guys like At Perry. Um, Cedric Tillman could be a second round pick. That's a, a, a wide receiver could be addressed in the second round. I didn't put it there, but Cedric Tillman's a guy that you could get in the second round. That would be good value. Um, or you could even stretch as far back as the, in, into the fourth round. But, um, depending on what needs you address, you know, this pick could also be Marvin Mims. If you haven't addressed the, you know, the more speedy route runner or maybe a tank Dell, you know, bring the homeboy home. Um, but I think wide receiver, very important need to address. And tight end, even with Dalton Schultz on the roster, we need to get a young tight end in this draft. It's a really deep class. And the third round, I think you could get a guy, maybe like Sam Laporta or you know Tucker Craft, that would be a high-value target that could progress into the tight end of the future for this team. And you know, icing on the cake if you can get Dalton Schultz to stay after this year, but you've got him on a one-year $9 million deal. And so you know, we'll see where that goes. Lastly, for this segment, we'll go with the fourth round. Um, this is an area where I feel like a player like maybe Demarvin Overshawn from Texas would be a good pick if you haven't addressed linebacker yet. Um, and once again, wide receiver guys like you know Xavier Hutchinson, um, Jonathan Mingo might be available late here. So depending on on how you've addressed that position earlier in the draft, you could look to pick up one of your two targets here, um, and then defensive tackle is another position that could be addressed at this point in the draft. Well, all right, we got it all out. Tomorrow we're, we're going to find out, and pretty much nothing I've said will really affect what the Texans are going to do. And thank God no one knows what the Texans are going to do because otherwise it'd be no fun because I wouldn't get to hypothetically talk to y'all about what I think the Texans should do. And that's, that's half the fun for me, honestly. Um, but like I said earlier in the podcast, I'm dropping my final four-round mock draft on tomorrow wednesday thursday time frame before the draft so stay tuned for that um if if you don't follow me on social media you know m1 texans fans where you can find me at on twitter tiktok instagram link is in the bio for my link in the bio so that you can get access to all of that information and uh thanks for listening thanks for hearing me talk about my opinion on this stuff looking forward to next week obviously the draft will have concluded and then we can kind of take a look at what the texans did and try to make sense of it. Well, until next time, this has been Texans Takes with James Roy. I'm James Roy, and see you next week.